0: Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect.
1: Happy Friday, everyone. Rich Swarovski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the rundown with Rob and Rich, our week ending uh, foray on all the latest happenings in the mortgage industry. And Rob, uh, uh, this week, MBA annual, the largest annual gathering of mortgage bankers each year. This was the first big mortgage conference in at least a year and a half. And uh, a lot of people there. It was great to see everybody. A lot of people we haven't seen in a long time. And I'll avoid the confusing, controversial opening question and just ask you your immediate, most notable takeaways of the week.
0: Well, it was was a memorable sight seeing all those mortgage bankers doing the uh, snake dance through the lobbies of the various hotels and and who knew Bob Brokesmith was so good at doing the limbo? Um, but that all, uh, that all aside, I thought it was a very good event. I thought that there were basically two years worth of, of saved up, pent-up conference demand going into that. Now, granted, many, many smaller organizations have had conferences uh, ahead of this week's MBA. But nonetheless, just the, just the event itself, I think, meant a lot to a lot of people. And it, it reminds us that we are in an industry with a lot of pretty cool people and people that you want to see and hang out with and not necessarily on a Zoom call, you know, to be able to shake their hand and see them from across the room and just walk up and say, how's it going? You know, what, how are you doing? uh, you know, beats the heck out of a zoom call. Not that, not that I'm downplaying what you and I do on Fridays like this, but, um, and and certainly this helps folks who couldn't make it to San Diego, but nonetheless, uh, like I said earlier, it reminds me of just what a people business this is, whether you're dealing with borrowers or you're dealing with people in the industry, whether they're your friends or new acquaintances or, or, uh, friendly competitors, the, uh, the ability to sit in a room and and I'd be, might be talking to you. And then somebody comes up who, who knows me, but they don't know you. And I say, you know, Josephine, you know, here's rich, you know, wow, rich, you know, I've heard of you. That kind of, that kind of thing just doesn't happen much on a zoom call. So it was nice. What, what was your experience like?
1: It was great. Yeah. I mean, it was great to see a lot of people and uh, you know, just a lot of good meetings and, uh, you know, using events like this to just take the pulse of the industry and continue to assess ways that we can be really relevant to the members and get inside their heads as to what they're thinking about. Uh, you know, some of the things that that were, to me, prevailing trends on what people were talking about was, um, you know, just in general, I think bat- battening down the hatches for, you know, the era in front of us one that is likely to not have a lot of refine a purchase market that is challenged and uh unprecedented amounts of lenders either recently having or ready to make decisions on tech vendors systems platforms a lot of people looking at LOS's new LOS's um a lot of M&A talk holy crap i just really you know i We've talked about this before, kind of anticipate that we're going to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the mortgage industry, you know, these next 12 to 18 months. But that was something I heard a lot of MSR sales, the demand out there right now for buying and selling MSRs, all this low rate, 30 year fixed rate stuff that people have been slamming on the books that uh, is likely, we've said this before and been wrong, but likely to stay on the books for a while, making it valuable servicing for acquirers and uh, also presenting an opportunity for some fee income for originators that maybe have more than it, more of it than they're comfortable. But uh, those were, were some of the things that jumped out as, at me in, in terms of just, you know, prevailing trends, what people were talking about.
0: Yeah, I would say that uh, uh, all that. that, um, the, M and A activity. What I there are a little few snippets and AI. I certainly noticed the vendor, the the increase in vendors relative to lenders. And I know TMC does a very good job of of trying to maintain a balance between uh, vendor membership and lender membership. I say that three times fast. But the uh, a lot of vendor activity and a lot of talk out there, though about. You know, we had a great 2020, but that was then. This is now, and you know, we were going to send ten people to this conference, and only five went because we're already cutting costs. So it doesn't it doesn't take long for mortgage companies to uh, scale things back and stop stop spending money, despite having a, a fantastic 2020. So we'll see, you know, going forward how that works out. But the the overall mood was very good. I've i published in my commentary the names of some good vendors that are out there. And I, I let me let me start that all over again. In my commentary, I published the names of vendors, some of the more interesting ones that I had never heard of. Uh, we were walking down the street. Uh, uh, I was walking with uh, some some Wall Street buddies of mine, and there was a company uh, that you know was is into web security you know cybersecurity and so we talked to that person for a while that's just not something you get in a zoom call like i said earlier it's it's like a serendipity it's like a uh, you know just kind of a happenstance that you end up learning things by being somewhere that you don't get on a scheduled call but certainly the the vendors that are out there are really striving to pick up some market share i spent some uh, some very nice time, about a half an hour, just he, he and I speaking with the uh, uh, CEO of SnapDocs. And it turns out he is, has a, a house near mine and is remodeling his house in, in Reno. And uh, I'd never met him before. Good guy. We had a good, good conversation about travel and about uh, venture capital versus private equity versus public ownership. And those are, those are the kinds of things that you don't get um, once again, in a scheduled call. I, 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 i like, I liked him. I'd like to think that he likes me and we're going to stay in touch. I hope, uh, but just a good guy and things like that are, are very interesting. And, and obviously Snapdocs is one of those companies that seems to be going places. Um, so how was, how was the TMC reception itself? Was it well-attended? I, unfortunately uh, I was, um, I won't say I made a mistake by staying to the end of Pitbull, but um, yeah, I probably would have had more fun at the, at the TMC Lou and Mickey's extravaganza.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, there were so many people there. Holy crap. It was, it, I think there was like two waves of, of people coming from the Pitbull concert. Uh, you know, the first hour, it just slowly got busier and busier until, you know, like it was almost filled. And then I just remember turning around at like 10, 15, and it was like a a bus had let off like 200 people. Um, and then we got like another wave, like close to when it was supposed to end, at like 11. So I didn't stay too much past 11. I had a million meetings in the morning, but allegedly it went till 1230. Our CEO Jim Park extended the open bar a couple times, and uh, was still stunned.
0: Stunned. Yes, exactly.
1: Very surprising. Yeah,
0: can't see Jim doing that. Did you have a chance to meet my son Robbie? He he was there. I did not, and it was. I
1: was trying to get around and just talk to people, but it was very tight packed and you know tough and. But. uh,
0: Yeah, he 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 and I are. You know, some people think we're twins. We're almost identical, except he has a lot more hair. He's better looking and in better shape than I am. And, and uh 32 years younger. So aside from that, we're almost a, a, a dead match. Uh, but he he said he had a good time there. So next next time you'll have to meet him. Yeah, um, sure. it was a good time.
1: It's high caliber of people always at our events, which is nice. So
0: so you were probably in the meetings and not so much the uh uh sessions the actual sessions.
1: I popped in just a couple general sessions for pieces of it. I did get a chance to whirl through the expo hall. And like, in, I, in my mind, I should know every vendor in this industry just in my role. Um, and I was shocked at how many I didn't between just assessing vendors for TMC and also our emerging tech fund. So I was shocked at how many startup companies there were in the expo hall. And, you know, when I mentioned m a earlier in the show, you know i was referring to lenders and vendors i think you're going to see a ton of it there was a couple announcements at the show of um, some pretty prominent companies that kind of folded into one another and you know i think that uh if you're a small company uh, either an independent mortgage bank or a vendor um you know you're looking to kind of a lot of them are kind of looking to latch on with somebody that's got the chassis for the future and those companies i think are looking for you know acquisitions that make sense as well. So that was one thing that stuck out to me.
0: Did, uh, did you get the sense, Rich, that the, uh, the vendors are continuing to distinguish themselves between how do I put this without offending, you know, half, half the, half the crowd on this phone, but there, there are some, some third-party providers which seem very uh, which seem up and coming or continued, continuing to succeed. and those that perhaps uh, are in desperate need of a new product, shall we say, or maybe getting a little bit tired. Are you seeing kind of that uh, difference going on out there with, uh, with third-party providers in general or and/or TMC members?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I think that it's tough to be like, there's been some great companies that have done like one thing well and have been real successful and added clients and you continue to thrive or, you know, exited and folded into a bigger company. I think that's going to be tougher going forward. I think that we're just kind of heading into this era where you've seen some really good companies that were out in front of this emerging tech wave, obviously Ellie May and Black Knight and like the Simple Nexuses and Snapdocs is one you mentioned that's doing some good things. Like they're amassing customers and doing some really great things. And they're making strategic acquisitions as well. I think some of these POSs are starting to become full end systems. And I, I really think like when you look into the future, loan origination systems five years from now, it's probably going to be Ellie Mae. It's probably going to be Black Knight. And it's probably going to be some of these other platforms that are acquiring customers very quickly that aren't currently loan operating systems. So uh, I would say growth by acquisition is a smart strategy in in mortgage lending. And I think Black Knight is evidence of that. They're, they've made some really smart acquisitions that have contributed to recent growth. Love their stock, by the way. Uh, Any stock market players on. I, uh, I think you look nine months out, that one's going to be nice. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, who knows? Just my opinion.
0: But as as we know, Rich, the past performance is no indication of future gains. And I, right. And that is not financial. Uh,
1: it's all the disclaimers. I don't know what I'm talking about exactly. Yeah.
0: I saw you on the, uh, the Black Knight boat. Uh, you had the little Gilligan, Gilligan's Island skipper's cap on and you were surrounded by a bevy of beauties or maybe uh grizzled mortgage bankers i don't know one of the two
1: one of the two um, right exactly yeah
0: on uh, on board there but i actually i didn't see you with a skipper's cap uh, on but uh, i did see you briefly and you were you were surrounded by people so i couldn't get near you to say hey um yeah i would say that the some of these companies you know simple nexus buying lbaware for example black Knight buying both compass analytics and optimal blue uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, between now and the next NBA conference, which is in Nashville next October, which is uh, really, really a, a dreary uh, city. You know, you, there's no there's no celebrations there, no bar, there's no restaurant scene in Nashville. Uh, right. So it'll be interesting to see if the if the some of these aggregators or I should say some of these vendors who have been aggregating vendors and third-party providers continue to grow or maybe they uh, maybe they get so big that they they feel that, that they have all the bases covered and uh, don't want to grow anymore and they're just going to continue to improve their product. But the whole point of what I see them doing out there is is trying to reduce this friction, uh, which way back when Angelo Mazzillo talked about a countrywide, he said, you know, we're just trying to reduce the friction. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, it's a, it's a, it's a not a good process. It's not a smooth process between application and funding a loan, and then you know putting it in into servicing. He said, so much of what we do is trying to reduce that friction while the loan bumps along through, you know, getting the, the credit report and. The appraisal and getting all the documentation and then you know the rate lock and what kind of program just kind of bumps along. And then from a borrower's perspective, sometimes they're dealing with movers and dealing with you know inspections and appraisals that don't come in at value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's a very complicated process. And I think the vendors that I've seen out there who are successful oftentimes Take personnel from the lending industry, and you know hire them or or uh, bring them in as on a consulting role. You know I've done some capital markets consulting for companies who are like, what what is capital markets? What's a what's the difference between a Ginny May and a Fannie Mae and a Freddie Mac and a private label security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they bring me in to kind of you know educate them. But many vendors out there have been hiring from the lending ranks because who better to, to help improve the process than somebody who had to deal with it? And so the I think the efforts that we're seeing out there, the success that we're seeing out there, aren't necessarily purely by people who come out of, you know, uh, the, the uh, you know, uh, Harvard IT department. You know, graduating with a degree in IT, and they're going to suddenly set the world on fire and we're going to, they're going to change the mortgage process, the third-party providers I see out there who succeed might have that as kind of a backbone, but they bring in people from lending because those lenders, whether it's a loan officer or a capital markets person or whoever, they, they know the business. And there are reasons why things are done a certain way, in our business and, and we on the call understand that. Somebody with an IT degree from, from three months ago might not understand that so well. And so the good companies out there are able to to meld the two and, and blend the input from, from all parties and come up with a product that, that come up with products that really work. So it is fun to watch some of these vendors you know, LBA where grow and, grow and grow. And Now they got bought by simple nexus. It's fun to watch companies from my perspective who I think, yeah, that's pretty nifty. You know, why didn't I think of that? Or even if I had thought of that, it's pretty neat to see somebody execute and then succeed. And I think we'll see more and more of that as we go forward. Uh, and especially if, if some of these vendors are purchased by larger shops, larger third-party providers, um, you know, it'll be even more interesting. I don't know. It's always an interesting, always an interesting business, right? Never, never,
1: <clears throat> never a dull moment. And yeah, I, I agree with you. So uh, this is the rundown with Rob and Rich. I'm Rich Swabinski with the mortgage collaborative joined as always by Rob Chrisman, just kind of recapping uh, our thoughts and takeaways from the MBA annual convention earlier this week in San Diego, <clears throat> some new stuff, some announcements as always, Rob at MBA. Sandra Thompson spoke, and uh, announced some changes with Fannie and Freddie, uh, some relaxed guideline stuff for refi now and refi possible, allowing up to 100% area median, um, allowing desktop appraisals to continue. Another no-brainer, but something that was met with uh, pretty loud applause. And the projections for the MBA, Mike Frantoni. I mean, this blew me away. All the projections are starting to come out now for next year. You got. Uh, on interest rates, Fannie Mae is projecting an average of about 3.3 on the 30-year fixed rate next year, just slightly higher than we are now. Freddie Mac currently projecting 3.5%. MBA projecting rates to go up to 4% to 30-year fixed, like by early fall next year. <clears throat> and I, it was very surprising. Me until I thought about it more and think about it. If you're MBA, one, you want to, you know, you don't want to overshoot on your projections and Think about it. I read that when it really set in was the next morning I'm reading the news headlines. Fox, CNN, MBA economist pro- projects 4% 30-year fixed rates next year. Refinances, right? They're pumping more they're pumping more uh, volume into the industry.
0: No? No, they 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 are um to some extent I think as we've talked about on the show some a few times, you know, you get into a situation where there's refi burnout, and there's so many people out there with two and three quarters or two and seven eighths, thirty-year fixed. They aren't going to refinance for for rate and term, but they are going to at some point. the The odds are good that they're going to need a, a cash out refi or head towards a HELOC or a second. And what I was hearing was were lenders. Asking me about HELOC programs and second mortgage programs, and you know, I put, you know, we put thousands, you know, you know, particular CEOs saying, you know, I put hundreds or thousands of, of borrowers into two something thirty-year fixed-rate loans, and they aren't going to move. They like the school district they're in. They like the neighborhood. They aren't going anywhere. They got a great rate, but you know, they have uh, you know credit card expenses or you know college expenses, or they want to buy that you know, Mercedes Sprinter and, and Tootle around or something or whatever it might be, they're gonna need some money. And so the the thinking is, all right, what can we do to help our our, our previous borrowers if, with their money needs? And that's where, you know, that's where banks frankly have some advantages because they have some programs out there that can help their existing clientele with cash needs like that. Whereas an independent mortgage bank is going to have to rely on their capital market staff to bring in some programs that can help. So it'll be interesting. I don't know. the We keep seeming, we keep underestimating this market. I was uh, 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 not to name names too much, I guess, but I was, I was on a, a panel with a, uh, a well-known uh, person associated with MBS Highway. Couple of months ago, and the the broker audience was eating up him talking about a one percent ten year yield by year end, and I'm sitting there thinking, I just don't see it. But you know, who am I, right? The people who make predictions, you know, the, the NBA, you got to give Mike and the, Joel and Marina credit for changing their predictions regularly or revising them. Uh, because predictions, you know, I think there's an old saying about uh, God, God's laughing at God. the gods, laugh at anyone who makes a prediction or something like that. And I, I tend to stay away from making too many predictions because people come back and they'll say, Well, this is what you said. And I say, Yeah, I guess I was wrong. Uh, not that the Fannie Mae or the NBA or Freddie Mac are ever wrong, right? But nonetheless, uh, I think. I think there's. I think the good companies are going to continue to originate a lot of loans out there, and maybe it's at the expense of the smaller, less efficient companies that are out there. And you know, it doesn't take much market share. I was saying this years ago. It doesn't take much market, much volume from Wells Fargo. If Wells Fargo decides to to pull back from their residential originations, it doesn't take much of a pullback to make some for some really great years for a lot of small independent mortgage banks or credit unions or small community regional banks when a big player like Wells pulls back. And that's what we've seen here in the last year or two or three is Wells Fargo pulling back. Uh, They aren't the number one lender in the United States anymore. That's gone to an independent mortgage bank. And so we could see some big bank gyrations, which will help TMC's members uh, in the next year or two. So it'll it'll be interesting. Always is, right? Always is and
1: yeah the rest of the NBA projections they announced for next year uh, total originations which was another stunner just according to people I talked to Fannie right now is projecting three point three trillion next year in twenty two Freddie projecting three point one trillion I'm going to be at about four three four four this year NBA predicting a drop to two point six trillion that's a big drop off and a far departure from where the GSEs are at home price appreciate appreciation uh mba 5.2% they're projecting for next year fannie's at 5.1 for their 22 projection Freddie mac at 7% so for whatever it's worth the 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 2022 projections are all out there and uh you know fannie is the most bullish mba is the most bearish and uh we'll see what happens but the HELOC thing to me is fascinating because you know People have gobs of equity. We've chronicled it before, all the reports and stats that are out there. Uh, the purchase market is still challenged. So I think a lot of people will opt to improve their existing home maybe next year as opposed to buying a new one and, you know, cash out refinances. You can only go up to 80% and you have to refinance your rate. And if rates are higher, that's going to make it negative to do that. So I wonder if just the banks, their appetite for HELOCs and seconds and you know how that's going to shape up against the demand, which I expect to be great demand, maybe the greatest demand ever for HELOC and home equity lending these next couple of years. Um, will the banks be able to satiate all that? And will any good secondary market, you know, there's really no good if you're an independent mortgage bank, no super viable outlets in the secondary market for like standalone HELOCs. So maybe that's something that will develop next year.
0: Yeah, I th- well, if, one could argue it's already developed. There's a company out of Atlanta called Cemetery, which uh, which has a HELOC program. In fact, I think I I had an ad in today's commentary about it. I think that's something loan officers uh, might want to acquaint themselves with, but. <clears throat> yeah, there there is opportunity. We we have an industry that's filled with some very uh, intelligent people and very competitive people, and so uh, and they want to help borrowers and they want to make money and they want their borrowers to to do well and 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 be better off financially. And so, yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. I think um, I think we're heading that way as we always do. We're pretty nimble as an industry.
1: Any other takeaways for you, Rob, from the week? Uh, anything else that stuck out to you, just in terms of what lenders were talking about or what you heard and saw?
0: Yeah, um, I spent some time with the crew at PenFed correspondent talking about jumbo programs. You know, the the DU driven underwriting of jumbo programs is uh, you know that that's a, that's on that's that's a conversation topic out there. What? Once again, you know trying to reduce that friction uh, between application and funding. And one of the way to do, one way to do that obviously is, is during the underwriting process and gee, if it's good enough for Fannie, it's good enough for, for a jumbo player. And DU is something that uh, private label security buyers understand. They, they understand what it's like to have a loan underwritten and approved by desktop underwriter. And so to be able to apply those algorithms to a jumbo loan can make a lot of sense and it makes it easier to do jumbo loans. So that was another big topic that I heard in the hallways out there, people talking about that. Um, but uh, but really, that was. Yeah, I mean, we, we hit we hit the high points. I mean, there's there's a lot going on. It's a um, it's a fun business to be in. You know, what can we, what can we say?
1: Jumbo construction and HELOCs, you know, typically three products that there has not been a very liquid secondary market for, uh, all stand to uh, be much bigger parts of the pie uh, as we move forward here into 2022 and beyond. So it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Mm.
0: So I've got a question about conforming loan limits. And I, I, I keep making this point in my commentary. Sometimes I think I'm yelling into the wind. When the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, or I should say the FHFA, just as a reminder for everybody, I know that, you know, Penny Mac led off the show by kind of jumping, by jumping the gun to some extent and and talking about new loan limits for their programs and then other lenders and investors followed suit. Historically speaking, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac come out with their new loan limits for the following year, right around Thanksgiving. So we got about a month to go before those officially come out. Now they may come out sooner, but that's t- traditionally when FHA says, okay, here are our new loan limits for the following year. We've seen such appreciation in this marketplace over the last year though, that these investors uh, and lenders have felt safe in coming out with, with a, uh, their new conforming loan limits. They also have the financial wherewithal to hold on to some of this product until Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac start buying it themselves. So, to be able to use DU or LP, underwrite these higher loan amount loans, and then deliver them into securities, into agency securities starting in January, I think is has been an interesting topic. I raised the point, though, what's to stop somebody from doing it starting in you know, July or August? Of, of next year so the um uh i think it's a it's, it's, it's a brilliant marketing ploy it certainly has the industry talking but smaller companies you don't want to be sitting out there having changed your loan amounts and have something go awry and you're stuck with a uh, an unsaleable loan or something that you get a price hit on but Uh, yeah, it's been, it's an interesting marketing ploy and, and certainly turned a lot of heads and, you know, we'll see where we'll see where the agencies actually come out at the end of November with, uh, with the 2022 limits, but that, that was something else that some folks were talking about, but more the capital markets folks kind of said, you know, we get it, you know, that that's, that's, that's a choice that they're make. They're making risk return kind of thing, probably safe in, uh, Uh, given the appreciation the market has seen to to raise those loan limits up a little bit and and get some headlines. Um, But anyway, that was something else that was being bannered about in the hallways.
1: Yeah. I know. Speaking of headlines, many expected a headline that could come out of this MBA annual conference was for Ms. Thompson to announce the reduction of loan level price adjustments Something she's referenced before um, as a way to help, you know, uh, spur uh, lending for those kind of on the fringes where, you know, the, the LLPAs are the most penal, but nothing there. Uh, no announcement there uh, as far as any changes to LLPAs and uh, have another comment in the chat. Any comments on recent CFPB, DOJ, OCC disciplinary action taken against a bank? it's the first action of this kind we've seen in a while a sign of what's to come the short answer yes i mean i i think that you're going to see enforcement actions and the low-hanging fruit at first um that will get people's attention and start to inspire behaviors that's just part of the regulatory pendulum that is now you know, at a different end than it was before. But uh, Rob, any thoughts on any of that before we take it to the weekend? No, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, the CFPB is, is. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think we're coming off a great 2020-2021. There is fear out there that when the agencies really start to underwrite some of the production that they've been buying, and not necessarily taking a hard look at, there are going to be some buybacks. Some buybacks will pick up. You know, some things will be um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, not necessarily uh, underwritten correctly or processed correctly. There's some there's some chatter out there, but there's also chatter, as you point out, about the CFPB and, and enforcement actions and so forth. But I just don't see. I just can't see the the industry being, you know, being Crunched by the CFPB like it was under Richard Cordray because the starting point, what this industry has been doing for some years now, is is far and away much better than we were doing in 2005, 2007, 2008. So the starting point for us in terms of enforcement actions, I'd say I'd say we're just a better industry than we were back then. So there's less there's less really to you know, for the CFPB to go after, but, you know, they'll get headlines. That's for sure. Sure. I
1: completely agree. It's so much more compliant of an industry, even than than during the Cordray CFPB. So there will be enforcement actions because there's a lot of stupid people out there that, you know, again, low hanging fruit um, and, you know, just pluck a couple of those pieces of fruit off the tree. And it's a way to help inspire behaviors from maybe those on the fringes. So uh, one more comment in the chat, Rob, the, six, the the penny max of the world raising and lenders out there raising the conforming loan limits. Uh, what happens if it is less than 625? People are originating conforming loans at 625 and say they come out and say it's 590. You got a bunch of loans at 600, 610, 625. What happens in that scenario?
0: You figure that's a jumbo or that's a you know super conforming or whatever your nickname is for that high balance conforming. And it gets uh, capped out at ten percent of the, you know, delivery. So, yes. or you take a price hit. So, but it's a it's a calculated risk that these companies are, are taking. It's probably a safe bet, but yeah, they could end up with some some price hits along the way. But I think they're airing a little bit on the conservative side. We have seen so much appreciation; they're probably okay.
1: Um, the weekend I got date night with my 13 year old daughter tonight, going to a nice little Italian restaurant and probably watch some horror movie at home after that. And uh going to Cedar Point tomorrow, the greatest amusement park in America. It's about an hour away from me. And uh there you go. any good but points this
0: weekend. To return briefly, I, guy Schwartz just popped up a uh, uh that not all counties have have high balance and, and guy's right you could you could and if originate a a uh, new and improved conforming loan amount loan in a county without a high balance, uh, number. And, um, you're not going to get stuck with it, but, but you're, you know, it's, it's a, it's a calculated risk. Plain and like simple.
1: I think there's one County in Ohio that has uh, yeah. yeah
0: high, so. high balance
1: limit. So, so
0: yeah, for me, uh, for me, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm playing hoops tomorrow morning and, uh, just, uh, taking care of, taking care of errands, uh, ahead of, uh, going away on assignment for next Friday's show.
1: Secret location next Friday, Rob Chrisman filming from somewhere to be determined. And again, we have Ivy Zalman on next week, who is one of the leading, uh, housing, uh, People in America, uh, Zellman and Associates, she's always on CNBC and Fox and CNN as their housing expert. She's very notably predicted some of the yet to happen huge swings in housing before it happened. And uh, she recently wrote a piece that differs greatly from what Rob and I have been intimating that America's underbuilt. She is making the claim America is overbuilt there's too many homes that are built. So should be very interesting conversation next week. It'll be contentious. She's going to love my background, though. She'll know what city that is for there sure. You
0: go. There you go. Well, Rich, thank you for having me again, man.
1: Yes, as always, Rob, Uh, enjoy the conversation. Many thanks to all of our attendees. The audience just keeps growing each week, which is great. We're very appreciative. And uh, we'll continue to... Try to make it relevant and not take ourselves too seriously and continue to be back here live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern for the rundown with Robin Rich. Of course, we all we also make these into podcasts and that's where we get the most listens by far. So if you're not subscribed to go to Apple or Spotify, search TMC, uh, subscribe to our podcast. You can listen that way as well. We post these as well to our YouTube page where a lot of people watch the video after the fact also. So uh, until next Friday, Rob, have a great weekend and uh, I will see you in seven days. Very good.
0: For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.